We want to title our message to this week, uh, Training Up a Child. Training Up a Child. And it, it, will, it will go along uh, in, in a large measure with what we, what we spoke about last week. And uh, if we go back and, and we revisit that, we, we talked about repentance. Uh, and and, and every, as we know, the scriptures teach us, and Jesus taught us, uh, about a person who's been saved, that that person is now a new creature, that that person's been born again. And just as with a natural birth, um, we've got to learn to do things all over again. Uh, you will oftentimes see where the Bible will refer to uh, somebody, a newly converted Christian or a, new, new, a newly saved person, as a babe in Christ. And so um, they've got to be trained up and they've got to go along. And, and what's interesting here is, is that the Bible pretty much, um, in most instances, will parallel the training that a, 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 that a literal child has to go through um, with the training that a that a child of God should go through from the the moment that they're saved. Because we're not saved to remain in our immature state. Um, As Christians, we should uh, continually be learning and growing, hungering and thirsting after the Word of God, and uh, and that we might be able to endure strong meat. Uh, And that is that we might be mature, that we might mature as Christians. Uh, I'd like to take for my lesson text this morning uh, the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 13. Uh, and ye, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children, at, which speaketh unto you as unto children, I guess I should say. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, and scourgeth every son whom he and, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers. Then, ye are, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had our fathers in our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For verily, uh, for, but for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present... For the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight the paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. And so that's the the 5th through the 13th verse of the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews with our topic, Training Up a Child. And in this 
subset of scripture, the Hebrew writer here, um, right from the very beginning, he, he calls to their memory, right? He calls, recalls to their memory the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. Now, I believe all the adults that are here, save one, are parents. So, some of you are speaking from a place of more knowledge, certainly, than I have. And, uh, and I certainly acknowledge that fact. But I speak to you this morning as somebody who's been chastened a lot. <laughs> I know a little bit of I know a little bit about being chastened. <laughs> uh, when I was younger, I used to I used to get my dad used to really show that he loved me. <laughs> my mom really showed that she loved me too. <laughs> Seemed I had a knack for getting myself in that position. And, uh, and so he calls that to their attention. He says he speaks to you as children, not to despise the chastening of the Lord. This is something that in the day and the age that we live in, it is, is kind of faux pas, is, would be really the correct way of viewing it, at least in the United States of America. Uh, it's kind of, it is not kind of, it, it is expected, it is taught that this is not something that you're, this is not accepted behavior among parents. Folks, if we look around our nation today, do you know what you see? You see a bunch of people who never had to go out and pick their own switch. That's exactly what you see. You see a bunch of people who, ne- who have never ever heard, if you do that one more time, I'm going to take my belt off. And when Dad took his belt off, he didn't take it off for funsies. <laughs> it was it meant business. I remember one time that my mom told me that she said, if you do this, then this is going to be the result. Well, I went ahead and did it, and you know what? That was the result. Now, that shouldn't be the first thing we jump to, right? But, but that is a way that parents show their love for their children. That's, as a father, that is a way that you show you love your children. If you didn't love your children, here's what the... Well, let's go to the book of Proverbs, right? Um, I'm going to go to Proverbs chapter 29, verses 15 through 18. And we're going to start in the 15th verse. The rod and reproof give wisdom. You, you see a bunch of people running around today with a lot of book sense, but no common sense. You know what common sense? Oftentimes, I believe, and I believe you can refer to common sense as wisdom. That's the difference between book sense and, 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 and some people may call it street smarts and book smarts, right? Common sense is wisdom. And the Bible tells us that the rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Now, we see a lot of that in, in our society today because there's not a father in the home. 
You see, it's our it's our it's our earthly father that chastens us when we get out of line. And, and as as we go back and we look, the Hebrew writer, which many believe it to be Paul, I believe it probably is Paul, but we can't say for certain. But we go back and we look at it, and in the eleventh verse, he says, "Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, and it really isn't." <clears throat> but now I'd like to point this out. Not only is it not joyous for the one being chastened, it's not joyous for the one that's doing the chastening either. Neither party enjoys that it has to, has to be done, but it still has to be done because what is, what is the alternative? The alternative to that is you don't address it, you don't, you, no chastening takes place, and so what is the lesson that's learned? The lesson is learned is that this behavior is okay, and then we want to sit back and, and scratch our heads and say, well, I don't understand why they keep behaving in such a way. Maybe it's because they were never reproved. The way the Bible says we ought to reprove. Now, I understand the world wants to intervene today and say, you can't do that. Now, folks, there's a guy who just went to jail for, uh, I saw this in the news, there's a guy who just went to jail, and I believe it was a three-year-old, and he beat that three-year-old to the point where it's in a coma. That's not chastening. <laughs> That's not chastening. That's abuse. There's a difference between chastening and abuse. You can't, you can't lump them all into the same. That is criminal abuse and it should be dealt with and I believe it will be dealt with that way but you can't expect a child does not know innately from the moment that they're born all the things that they need to do to be productive and successful in life that's not to say that just because they may experience chastening that they will end up being that way they may still go off on their own way but you know what it won't be it won't be the parents fault will it they laid the example down of what you need to do to be successful. If you don't follow the, your, father, your father's example when he's given that to you, he's rebuked you when you've gotten out of line, I mean, there's not, there's not really much left there to do. You're going to have to be like that prodigal son, and you're going to have to come to your own senses eventually, and, and then, and only then, coming to your own senses, then you will be able to receive instruction. Let's, let's continue on in the 29th chapter of Proverbs. Um, that's not a book that I, d I dive into too much, but it's, it's a great book. When the wicked are multiplied, transgresseth increases, but the righteous shall see their fall. What's interesting is between this verse, it's two verses where it's talking about correction. Right? The 17th verse says, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Well, there's nothing more. There's nothing more relieving, is there? I can't. I mean, we're not there yet, folks. We're still raising our kids, obviously. But I can't imagine, as a father, that there would be anything more that would give you a peace of mind as it pertains to your own household than that. 
having corrected your son, having received the instruction, and he goes out and he lives his life in a manner that pleases his father. This is not something that's really taught in Western um, in Western civilization today. Uh, honoring a father, and I mean, I guess I should have preached this on Father's Day, but too bad I didn't have it then. But honoring your father is something that's a son's responsibility because he builds up the name of his father. He says, "Correct thy son, and he shall and he shall give the rest." Yea, he shall, give, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Now the next verse is one that I believe that's, that we've used, but I don't necessarily know that we've always used it correctly. The next verse says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now what's that verse saying? Now, I know I've heard that verse used in this manner. We've got to have some kind of vision for the future, right? We've got to have some kind of revelation. We've got to have some kind of prophecy. Here's my issue with that. Folks, there are so many people running around the world today that they've got their own prophecy, they've got their own vision, they've got their own revelation, and they think it supersedes all others, and it's infallible. And it doesn't come necessarily from the Word of God, but it comes from a misinterpretation of the Word of God. And so what we're looking at here is, remember, we're going into the rod and reproof give wisdom. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now I want to take you from there over to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to read about what it says here. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Precious not in the fact that they all love the word of God. Precious in the fact that it was rare. It was not something you heard very often in those days. Why? Because there was no open vision. Now, what do you mean there was no open vision? Eli is the, is the priest. His sons uh, inherit uh, or occupy the office of the priest. What do you mean there was no open vision? What do you mean? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly that Hophni and Phinehas in verse 12 of second of the second chapter of 1 Samuel, that, that they were the sons of Belial. Chapter, 12, uh, chapter 2, verse 12, and they knew not the Lord. So you don't have... So Eli is in his old age. His sons have replaced him. They don't know the Lord, so they can't expound on the law. They can't expound on the Word of God. They can't let the people know what it is that they've got to do to be saved, That what they've got to do to live their life for the God, what they have to do to bring... Um, honor to their father's name, right? And I mean their heavenly father, because that's who we ultimately are supposed to bring honor and glory to. Jesus said um, that, that 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's the whole point of our works is that they would bring honor and glory that as a doting father would look down on his children being uh, having been corrected in their behavior and, and, and doing works that brings him great, great pleasure that God's able to take rest in us in that manner. Jesus is able to take rest in us in that same way. Um, but uh, instead, what you see here is hope and Phineas, they don't know the Lord, so they do all manner of things that are against the Lord. They're greedy, they're selfish, they're lascivious. And you're going to find out why. Because Eli is going to be Reprove for it. 27th verse, it says, And there came a man of God unto Eli, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt and in Pharaoh's house? And did I, did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest? This is of the family of Aaron. And to offer upon mine altar, and to burn incense, and to wear the e- an ephod before me. And did I give unto the house of my father all the offerings made by fire unto the children of Israel? Now here's where he's going to come back. So he's asked that question. He says, didn't I choose your lineage for to, 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 to worship me and to serve me in, in this capacity? And have I not made a, a way whereby you can have everything provided to you? 29, he says, Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice? Now, let's put that in today's language. Why do you despise my sacrifice? That's really what he's asking him. Hey, Eli, why do you despise my sacrifice? Because look at what your sons do. Your sons, they, they, we go back up here. And, uh, and we read about what they did. And, the, and we're in verse 13. And the priest's custom in the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething. other words, it's raw. This is not when they were supposed to take it. They were supposed to take it after the fat had been offered and all that. And then they got uh, what was left over uh, in uh, the cook part, essentially, or the boil part, because uh, that's what it really means, with a flesh hook, of three teeth in his hands, and he stuck it into the pan or the kettle or cauldron or pot. All the all that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So did Shiloh. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites that came thither. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest servant came and said unto the man that sacrificed, "Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee." but raw. In other words, I don't want that that cooked boiled flesh, however you're cooking it, that roasted, I don't want it. I I want it before it's ever offered. And, And so it wasn't just good enough to take what the Lord had said they would have. They were greedy, they were selfish, they were lascivious, uh and uh and they wanted it all. Eli does come to him and ask the question 
Verse 22, it says, Now Eli was very old, and he heard all his sons did unto all of Israel, how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. These weren't good folks, people. And they were the administers of... Uh, they were the priests. Uh, they were the ones who uh, did all the sacrificial, ceremonial things. They led in all of that. And But the Bible tells us they were sons of Belial. They were, they were not children of God. And he says in verse 23, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil doings by all this people. That's all you got, Eli? That's all you got? Why, why, you do, why, why is it that you're selfish? Why is it that you're greedy? Why is it that you're lascivious in your dealings with the people of Israel? That's all you got, Eli? The man of God said, I... This ain't going to last. And he gets right to the heart of the matter. We go back to the 29th verse. Why kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me? There's the problem, isn't it? Eli wouldn't correct his sons. Now, look, folks, I've said it already. Just because you correct them doesn't mean they'll take it to heart. <laughs> right? That does not mean they're going to take it to heart. Um, but in most cases, if you correct them and are consistent in that correction, most will. That's not to say all will. To say all will is uh, too broad of a brush to paint with, in my opinion. But Eli would never reprimand his sons because he cared more about what they thought than what the Lord thought. That's that's just the bottom line. And, and so, as a matter, of, so as a as a consequence of that, he says this: to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all my offerings of 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 Israel, my people. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I indeed that thy house and thy, the house of thy father should walk after me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me will I honor, me I will honor, and they that despise me I sh shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thine house. He said, I'm going to judge your house, Eli. Your sons will both die in one day, and then you will afterward, and the house of Eli would, would come to an end. So why was there no vision in the day of Eli, in the day of Hophni, in the day of Phinehas? Why was there no vision? Because Hophni and Phinehas were never reproved. And because they did not know God, they didn't have the capability to correctly judge the people. Remember, we're living in a time of judges here. They couldn't expound upon the law. They couldn't they didn't have a preacher to to tell people what to do to be saved. That they needed to repent of their sins of that offended God and that they need to put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who granted hasn't come at this time but he was seen in types and shadows 
Let's look at a couple more verses, and, and I'm going to close out here. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. He that spareth the rod hateth his son. You ever thought about, you ever thought about it in that way? If you don't correct your son, you hate your son, because what's going to happen to your son? He's probably going to come to naught left unto himself, isn't he? Remember, I say this as somebody who has experienced plenty of chastening in the course of my life. I actually talked to my dad not long ago. Um, well, it's been a little while now. And, and, and actually, Mom has expressed this a ton, a time, a, a several times. And they said, you, we were too hard on you. <laughs> We, we shouldn't have done a lot of the things we did. We, we, we shouldn't have done this or that. We shouldn't have, we've maybe spanked you too much or whatever. And, and I said, no, you spanked me every, every time that you told me that if I did that, I would get a spanking. If I went ahead and did it, you followed through. You did exactly what you should have done. It was me who didn't want to listen. I said, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. And even with that, when I got into college, I still kind of went off on my own tangent. But I knew, but I came back, and I got back in line. God sent somebody else to help me another way and reprove me a different way. We probably wouldn't be married if she tried to spank me. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't do it actually God did when I got her conviction but he that loveth him chasten him betimes right if you love your kid you, you will do this again that's not this is not abuse right this is a different Abuses overboard. Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child because they don't know any better. But the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs twenty three fourteen. Really, I mean, this is kind of a theme. Throughout the book of Proverbs, which is which is generally regarded as a book of wisdom and wise sayings, it, it, it's over. It's repetitive. It's over and it's over and it's over and over and over again uh, because it's trying to drive home the point that your children, in and of themselves, are not going to be very profitable, not only to society but eventually to the Lord. And they're not going to listen to the chastening of the Lord if they won't listen to the chastening of their father. Withhold the, not the correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Folks, you can take that verse of Scripture and apply it to society today, and it answers almost every issue. I said almost. Why do they despise authority? Because they weren't taught to respect authority. And that's, that's regardless of whoever, whomever it may be. I grew up with plenty of people who didn't respect authority. 
And I'll give you a really good example. My first cousin. Not a very good example. Why? Because he didn't experience the love. Right? What's the love of a father? The love of a father is that he wants to see his child do great things. I'm going to get back here in just a second. <clears throat> thou shalt thou shalt beat him with the rod, and thou shalt deliver his soul from hell. Man, I, I would have never made that connection, but that's what Solomon says. Now, I want to go back. I want to go back over here to Proverbs 29. And let's look at this verse. <clears throat> Where there is no vision, the people perish. Look at the second half of that verse. What's it saying? But he that keepeth the law. See, that right there tells you that that verse of Scripture is talking about there's nobody to explain the law. There's nobody to expound upon the law. There's no preacher to explain the right way that you should do it. Uh, there's or no father to do that. Uh, I guess if you want to put it in the context of the home, uh, there's nobody there to do that because if there had been, uh, but he that keepeth the law, because this is a juxtaposition that's often made in Hebrew poetry where one part's bad and the other part, they're, they're, they're kind of offset one another. But he that keepeth the law, what does he mean there? To obey is better than a sacrifice. But he that obeys, but he that practices obedience... Not just to his heavenly father, but first to the earthly father. As we go back over and we look in the twelfth chapter of Hebrews, the exhortation is speaketh unto you as children. Happy is he. Happy is he. I don't stand up here before you today in most instances, happy as a clam. For any other reason other than the way I was brought up, because the way I was brought up gave me an ear to know when I was being dealt with. Now, I've heard Ronnie talk about his father, and his the rod of his chastening was his tongue, apparently. <laughs> And I can do that one too. I usually like to go to that one first. What's the objective? What's the end goal? To lift up the hands which hang down. So that they will know to be of a strong and of a good courage. And the feeble knees. And to make your path straight. Not to go off on a tangent. And do things in the shadows and darkness. And do things and, and, and work works like Hophni and Phineas did. Not to do those things. But to be honest in the sight of all men. To have integrity and, and, to, and to have and to, and to build upon the Father's name. Um, things that speak well of the Father. 
lest that the lame be turned away. And this is where we get into this. We talked last week about church discipline. And my, my analogy to this was, he said, what good does it do? And, and the way I explained it was this. If emotion is brought up in conference, and we're even going to tie a business meeting into this. It's going to fit in really well. If emotion is brought up in conference and somebody abstains, I ask the question, what does that abstention essentially mean? He says that you agree with the majority. Likewise, when a child gets out of the way, if you don't address it, what it means is you agree with the behavior. It's the exact same teaching. It's the exact same teaching. If you don't, if it's not right, if it's not the way you're supposed to walk, then it, then it should, then there should be some correction issued, shouldn't there? See, the idea, the idea of chastisement isn't, it isn't. To revel in, let's just use the business term, right? It isn't to revel in the exclusion or the punishment. The idea of it is that they'll be reestablished. The idea is that they'll be reestablished, that they'll be lifted back up, that they'll be made firm in the faith, and, and that they'll walk on straight paths, that they'll live a life of integrity, uh, and, uh, and that they'll live a life in the light of men, uh, and that the works that they do testify that God is their Father, and it glorifies their Father. That's why it's necessary that we train up a child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, if you look at the definition for nurture versus the definition for the Hebrew word, what we think of as nurture is not the same thing as what the Hebrew definition for nurture is. The Hebrew definition for it, if we go back here and we look, Hang on just a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out really quick because uh, that, that is kind of where I want to finish up. We think about these definitions sometime. And, and we think that it means that you don't uh, necessarily stand um, for, for something per se. And apparently I can't spell this morning. So... Here we go. All right, so we go to Ephesians chapter 6. He says, And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. All right? That first word nurture actually should be training. And we go and we look at, we go and we look at what the definition for the Hebrew word is. And, and here's the definition for the Hebrew word. Tutorage, that is education or training. By implication, Disciplinary correction, chastening, chastisement, instruction, nurture. Because what did it say? He who chasteneth his son loveth his son. God deals with us as sons and lets us know that he loves us when he chastens us. Now, what about the admonition of the Lord? We look at the admonition of the Lord. That verse, the Hebrew word, means this, calling to attention, that is by implication, a mild rebuke or a warning. Don't do that. 
Don't, if you do that, you're going you're gonna to get yourself in trouble. If they won't listen to that, guess what happens? Then we go to the other, don't we? Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. God wants His children to be obedient children. To obey is better than to sacrifice. Train up a child so that they're prepared to receive instruction. Doesn't mean that's always going to be the case. You could have a very, you could have wonderful parents, and that child still goes off on his way. There's nothing you can do to control that. That's between that kid and the Lord. There's nothing that can be done beyond that. It ha- he ha- like the prodigal son, as I mentioned earlier, he's the one who has to come to his senses. He had the right example put before him. That's really all you can do as a father, is to put the right example before the child. That's my message this morning. As we get ready to go into our revival, let's think about these things. You won't find an instance in, in revival, or, or, or an instance of revival in the scriptures that didn't, wouldn't accompany by these things in some way, shape, form, or fashion. That's my message this morning. If you've got a song, brother. Number 73, still in the most. 73.